Counterfeit Charisma, The Age of the False Prophets, a powerful new book by Dr. Dennis James Woods. Famines, floods, earthquakes, and wars are all signs of the end times. But another defining sign is the rise of false prophets. This amazing book probes the depths of deception to reveal how false prophets have infiltrated many churches today. Though false prophets tout signs and wonders, they flow in divination, the same power that fortune tellers and psychics have used for centuries. In this eye-opening book, Dr. Woods does a detailed examination of false prophets in action, uncovering the fallacy of their methods and message. You will also discover what the Bible says about the gift of prophecy and the purpose of true prophecy today. The Bible warns, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out devils, and perform many miracles? But the Lord will declare, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Get your copy of Counterfeit Charisma, The Age of False Prophets on Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, and wherever fine books are sold. Facebook land. This is Dr. Dennis James Woods, and we're here with you one more time with the uh, Revelation Revolution podcast. We are continuing in our study on counterfeit charisma of the age of false prophets. And this uh, segment, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be very, very interesting because we're going to be dealing with the dark power, the power that these people are tapping into and how they're able to do even miraculous things. We're going to be getting deeper into that and taking a look at all of these things. All of this is important because the Bible declares that in the last days, there will be many false prophets that would arise and be able to do even signs and wonders so convincing that even the very elect would be fooled. And so this is why we have to uh, give a, do some study in this area because we want to make sure that people are not being deceived in the name of Jesus. And so at this time, we want to uh, start with a word of prayer and they're going to get right into our lesson. <clears throat> Excuse me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we thank and praise you for all things. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the power that is in the res your resurrection. We thank you for the blood that you shed on Calvary's cross for our redemption, for the redemption of our sins, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, for the infilling of the Holy Spirit that you may lead and guide us in all truth. Father, we thank and praise you for those that are watching this uh, video or listening to the audio, Lord God. We ask you to continue to bless them, Lord God, and keep them, Lord God, that their eyes may be open and their understanding be expanded, that they may know um, how to 
uh, spot and the uh, one of these false prophets out here and all of the deception that is going around, Lord God. And we ask you, Lord God, that you can by your grace and by your truth and by the light of your word, Lord God, continue to lead and guide us in all truth. Now let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we all said, Amen. So let's get right into our lesson and we're going to uh, share our screen and get right into everything ladies and gentlemen you're going to love this one this is going to be powerful so um this lesson is uh taken off again from chapter seven of my book uh, counterfeit charisma the dark power the dark power okay now as we continue uh in the study of the role of divination plays in the working of false, the false prophet, we find that it is not always easy to distinguish between the counterfeit and the genuine. On one hand, it's simpler to tell the difference between a false prophecy and a legitimate word of prophecy by the, by the fulfillment itself. In general, if a prophecy comes true, then it was a legitimate prophecy. If it does not come to pass, then it wasn't from the Lord. However, what if a false prophet declares a prophecy or produces a sign that does come true? Because that can happen. What shall we do in that case? Uh, so let's turn to what the scriptures actually have to say about this. In Deuteronomy Chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. We're going to be reading from the New Living Translation. This is what the Word of God says. It says, Suppose there are prophets among you, or those who dream dreams about the future, and they promise you signs and miracles, and predict signs or miracles, and, and the predicted signs of miracles occur. If they then say, Come, let us worship other gods, Gods you have not known before, do not listen to them. For the Lord your God is testing you to see if you truly love him with all of your heart and all of your soul. Now this is interesting, ladies and gentlemen, because it talks about the false prophet who does have a sign. Who does have one. And it and does, makes a prediction that does come true. But the follow-up to that is... Are they moving you away from God to another gospel, to another faith? And what I mean by that is, I'm not talking about moving you from Christianity to Buddhism or moving you to Christianity to Islam. I'm talking about what Paul talked about, a counterfeit gospel. Another gospel. Glory to God. Because sometimes that becomes an issue. And this is why when we get into this whole idea of false prophets, false prophets don't just give false signs and give false hope. They teach false doctrine. And it's these doctrines that shift people away from the Lord because now you're learning the wrong thing. 
you're listening to the words of a prophet and not going by the Bible. In other words, they have enticed you away from the Lord to another. And so this is why we have to be very, very careful. And this is why this was warning was given. Yeah, they may come up with a sign or wonder that does come to pass. But what does their message do? Does it move you away from sound doctrine and take you to a fantastical uh, 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 uh a world of name it, claim it, and just prosperity and everything is good and all of that. No repentance, no righteous living, no holiness, all of this hedonistic, broad road, anything goes type of Christianity. Because that's really not Christianity, ladies and gentlemen. It's that broad road that leads to destruction. And herein is the danger of the false prophet. There are false prophets, there are mystics, there are people who are in the who are in the tarot card rooms and the and the mystic reader rooms with the with the neon lights in the sign coming psychic readings and all that. Now we know about them. We're going to be talking about the curious arts of those in, in the book of Acts that uh, uh, in the uh, that that uh, with the people in Ephesus. We're gonna we're gonna get to that. But these ladies and gentlemen, you won't find them there. These have been repackaged for development and to be among Christians in Christian churches. So these look like Christians, but they're not. Okay? All right, so let's continue in our study. In this passage, the Lord instructs his people concerning false prophets that, that can work signs and wonders and actually that actually do come to pass. This is important because in the churches where false prophets operate, the people are amazed by how accurate these false prophets can be. That's, they always go by their, how accurate they are. I've heard some of them say, I'm 80% accurate, I'm 70% accurate. Well, then, well, then you couldn't be a real prophet of God if you only act, if you only write 70% of the time, 30% of the wrong, you're erroneous, then you, you're not a prophet of God because prophets of God didn't get it wrong. Because why? Because they're hearing from God. And if they told you something that they didn't hear from God and they're just speaking it out of their own heart, that, then that's false. You can't say, thus saith the Lord. You might as well just say, I believe this. But the minute you put, thus saith the Lord on it, then you don't get a margin of error because you're saying God said it. That's why you don't get a margin of error. If, you say, if you're saying, well, this is what I believe, this is what I think, then you can be wrong half the time. Then people don't, will, will, will understand, well, that's coming from you. But now all these false prophets don't want to do that. They want to say, thus saith the Lord. So as soon as they say, God said, I hear the Lord saying, the Lord told me. The minute they say that, what they're saying is, is I am becoming a direct mouthpiece of God. And therefore, what I'm saying to God gave me to give to you. Therefore, if that's the case, then it can't be wrong. It can't be. All right. This is why you can't be impressed by someone who calls out your name, your address or your phone number or knows some bits of information about you. But you have to discern what is their message. Does it line up with the whole counsel of the scripture? Is it mixed with false doctrine or tenets of occultism? Or does it utilize principles and practices of things like divination, which the Bible forbids? Does it lead you to accept a false gospel by those who use the scriptures deceitfully? Though the New Testament clearly embraces the prophetic gift, tight, 
usage in the church was imposed to prevent the spread of erroneous doctrine. For example, in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, uh, 14, verses uh, 29 through 30, the Bible instructs, let the prophet speak two or three, and let the other judge. If anything be revealed to the other which said it by, let the first hold his peace. In the church, the prophetic utterances were supposed to be tested. The testing of prophetic utterances was also taught in 1 John, uh, glory to God, chapter 4, uh, verse number 1. It says, Beloved, do not believe, listen to this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they be of God. Why? Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, this was a problem. This was a, even a problem in the apostles' day, let alone this, this, the, in the eschaton in the last days. Glory to God. It was a problem back then. Glory to God. This is important because though some false prophets rely on trickery, such as searching out information on, about people through social media or getting information collected from conference registration forms or, or, or others uh, are actually, others are actually trafficking in the demonic by teaching and promoting doctrines of demons. Here's what the word of the Lord warns. Listen to what it says. Now the spirit speaketh Now the spirit expressively says, "In the latter times, notice this. In the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons." See, this is why, ladies and gentlemen, this is so important. False prophets are the are the are the mediums are the mouthpieces of of doctrines that they have received from demonic sources. And now, of course, the demon isn't going to say, hey, my name is demon. I'm, I'm the screw tape letter demon, and I'm here to deceive you. Of course, they're not going to say that. They're going to lie and say, this is the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus talking to you. Of course, they're going to lie. You know, that's why they're demons, right? Demons aren't known for telling the truth. They're known for deception. Glory to God. The doctrines of demons are very subtle. Because they can be ever so close to the truth and pass right through a church as wholesome teaching. This is why Paul instructed the Corinthians that if a prophet who can also serve as a teacher has a word or a revelation, it must be judged by others who also have that gift to prevent the spread of false doctrine. False doctrine once received will ultimately pull you away from the faith. This is what the Lord also warned in, in Deuteronomy 13, 1-3. Where the scriptures clearly identify a prophet whose prophecy or sign does come to true, but leads you away from the Lord. This is a false prophet. Because just because they can do something miraculous and then start teaching something out of the yellow pages, then you know they're a false prophet. Whether the sign of uh, or prophecy comes true or not. You can't even be deceived by that. So what they so what they actually know something that's true. So what? So what are you saying? What are you talking about? Glory to God. Peter called the doctrines of false teachers or false prophets uh, taught that the uh, doctrines they bring with them as damnable heresies or heresies that lead to destruction. That's in Second uh, Peter uh, chapter two uh, verse number one. Uh, uh, as a matter of fact, we can uh, do a screen share. Let's just go there. Second Peter two one. 
Listen to this. It says, glory to God. But there were false prophets also amongst the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. Notice how he switched from false prophets to false teachers because they can be interchanged, okay? They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Let's look at this in the NASB. But false prophets also arose amongst the people, just as there would be false teachers amongst you, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing swift destruction amongst themselves. Many, listen to this, many will follow their uh, sensuality, because it's all sensual, right? And because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned. And, and in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. The judgment from long ago is not idle, and the destruction will destruction is not asleep. Glory to God. So let's look at let's look at that in the NIV because I want to read that second verse again. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will uh, bring away uh, and will bring the way of truth to disrepute. Listen to this. In their greed. These teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. See, the whole purpose of a false prophet is to impress you with some fantastical story that the, the, the angel came down from heaven and tapped him on the shoulder and then poured golden oil from the altar of God and then all of a sudden they start speaking prophetic utterances and and, and their hand got hot and fire came. It, it's, listen, you are going to hear all sorts of stories, but this is what they do. They have to do that to con you into believing what they teach because these prophets often, they'll start out with a Bible verse, close the Bible and take you somewhere else. It's always that way. Use the Bible, preach a verse, and then the next, the next, everything you hear after that has nothing to do with the Word of God. It has what, to do what the Spirit is telling them to give to you. But that's how these false prophets operate. So let me go back. Okay, now. So Peter called these, the doctrines of false teachers and false prophets, they call them damnable heresies, okay? Though there are safeguards that must be in place when it comes to prophetic utterances, it is important not to overreact and throw the baby out with the bathwater. Now, just because there are false prophets don't does not mean God does not use people prophetically in the true sense. Have you ever heard anybody say this is a false Santa Claus or a false Easter bunny? You never heard anybody talking about a false Santa Claus or a false Easter bunny. And the reason why? Because Santa Claus and Easter bunny are fictitious characters. We already know they're we already know they're fictitious. So the so the 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 an adjective describing false or true isn't necessary. Okay? You only need the identification of something as false when there are real ones. You see what I'm saying? 
That's, that's important to understand. There are false prophets because they're real prophets. Glory to God. And so this is why in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 20 and 21, this is why the Bible says, this is why the Bible teaches, do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Despise not prophecy. In other words, do not go to the extreme. Glory to God. God can utter prophetically through anybody he wants at any time he wants. And you don't necessarily need to be a so-called prophet. And you don't know when it's going to happen. There's no such thing as prophecy on demand. You can just pull it up on demand. If you could just pull prophecy up on demand, that's a main indicator that it's not the Holy Spirit-inspired prophecy because you don't know when God is going to speak to you about anything. You don't even know when the next time your cell phone is going to ring. How do you know when God is going to speak to you about something? You don't know that. Glory to God. In the name of Jesus. Now, according to the, religion, the Encyclopedia of Religious Phenomena, in a few areas of divination, everyone with basic knowledge can practice, okay? Other forms of divination require a specialist that's been trained because astrology and tarot cards and numerology have advanced levels, okay? Additionally, divination is frequently practiced by some that have innate psychic and paranormal abilities, okay? That's from the uh, Encycl Encyclopedia of uh, Religious Phenomena, all right? There are many people that are born with this sixth sense, so to speak, that throughout their lives they have known or sensed things about people or, or events in uh, the form of premonitions and dreams and, and visions. You have people that just have that, okay? That's, 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 people are born with stuff like that. Whereas many only dabble in divination at a superficial level, there are others that are given over to it and go far deeper than the typical person who reads a horoscope. Okay? All right. However, whether these divination practitioners are fully involved as a career or as a novice, the scriptures explicitly prohibit believers from taking part in divination at any level. Here's what the Bible says about these practices. Now let's look at the passage. This is what the Lord, Deuteronomy 18, 9 to 13. Listen to what the Lord says. When you enter the land that the Lord is giving you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, casts spells, or who is a medium or a spiritist who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord because of these same detestable practices practices, the Lord your God will drive out these nations before you. You must be blameless before your Lord, your, your God. Now listen to what he talks about here. He talks about a list of different things. Practice divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, casts spells, or who is a medium or a spiritist 
or who consults the dead. That's called necromancy. Look at what he says. Anyone who does these things is detestable unto the Lord. There's no two ways about it. You're not supposed to be dabbling in divination trying to illegitimately tap into knowledge about the future of other people. You're not supposed to do it. It's witchcraft, ladies and gentlemen. It all falls under one big heading, divination. Okay? In the New Testament, the Paul warned. He says, no, not, not all. Not at all. I am saying that these sacrifices are offered to demons, not to God. I do not want you to participate with demons. You cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons too. You cannot eat from the, at the Lord's table and then at the tables of demons too. So when Paul was talking about the people that were sacrificing things, the uh, uh, idols and all of that, he said, with the people that don't know, what they, what they really don't understand, they're looking at the idol, but what's behind that idol, what's behind that practice are demons. That's what they're really doing. Glory to God. God's emphatic warning not to get involved in any type of divination and practice is an indication that this was not some harmless activity. The Lord knows that the powers behind these mystical arts are demonic, and even though they may appear intriguing and seem harmless, practices such as divination do not always come off as come across as demonic, but rather as the power of God. Again, the same. The, the, the reason Simon the sorcerer has so much influence in the book of Acts in chapter number eight is because the people claim that he was the great power of God. Satan always counterfeits things pertaining to God so that he can deceive and snare those who have themselves open to his influence through occult practices. Okay. So now, again, if you know it's a cult, then you're going to stay away from it. But what if they package it up in Christianity? Then that's how you get sucked in. And that's what false prophets do. They're false because they're not in connection with God. They're false because they don't teach sound doctrine. They're false because their power source is divination powered by demons. I don't care how many times, how many scriptures they quote. I don't care how many times they use the name of Jesus. It doesn't make it. It does, using the name of Jesus on top of an occultic practice doesn't make it the occult go away and makes it Christianity. It just means you you have related Jesus's name, glory to God, to a uh, 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 a practice that ha that is a divination that has nothing to do with God. That's what it means. Okay. In First Corinthians, Paul makes an astounding revelation concerning one of Satan's principal modus operandi to deceive and ultimately destroy people who do not understand uh, that not all evil presents as such. This is, what's, this is what the apostle says. He says, and no wonder for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing that his ministers, whose ministers, Satan's ministers, also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works. Glory to God. Again, so the apostle, um, 
what he does is he warns that these false prophets often masquerade themselves as ministers of light. And so this is a, a very, very uh, important uh, thing to understand the, uh, of what we're dealing with here. And so, uh, and again, he says, no wonder for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. And so, um, uh, 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 these types of people are wolves in sheep's clothing. Angels of light, as Paul puts it here, is another metaphor for wolves in sheep's clothing. This means that some of these false prophets will perform signs and wonders, but not only in a three-ring circuses or in some Vegas trip, but in the pews and the pulpits of local churches. They will be the ones that Paul speaks of as having Satan's, are, are, as being uh, Satan's ministers, okay, and transformed into angel uh, ministers of righteousness. And so now, so now let's let's look at this uh, phenomenon, the spirit of divination. In the book of Acts, we 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 encounter the Philippian slave girl, and I and I think this is is, is really interesting uh, for us uh, and it's for our learning. It says, uh, "This is uh, we begin reading uh, the passage." It says, "As we were on our way to a place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who was possessed by a spirit of divination." claiming to foretell future events and to discover hidden knowledge, okay? And she brought her owners much gain by her fortune-telling. So now, let's look at these, these, these terms they're using, all right? Spirit of divination, and she brought her owners much money by her what? Fortune-telling. So that means predicting the future, telling about future wealth and things like that. And it's always interesting because fortune telling always tells peach people about some fortune in the future. And that's why it's called fortune telling. <laughs> They're telling you about the, the fortune or the good things that's coming to you in the future by way of demonic spirit. So now, this is what happened. She kept following Paul and us shouting loudly, these men are the servants of the Most High God. They announce to you the way of salvation. And she did this for many days. Then Paul, being sorely annoyed and worn out, turned and said to the spirit within her, I charge you in the name of Jesus, come out of her. And it came out that very moment. But when her owners discovered that their hope of profit was gone, here we have a very interesting situation. Here, Dr. Luke's, the, the person who wrote Acts, introduces us to this young woman who had a spirit of divination. So she was not dealing with the superficial level. You know, some people are the tarot cards and the horoscopes and all this. This girl was advanced, okay? But this young lady, was she was deep in it is interesting how the Amplified Version expands the meaning of divination to include uh, foretell future events to discover hidden knowledge, okay? Being possessed with a demon gave her these powers. From this we can learn that spirits of divination 
supernaturally enable a person to know some things about the future and to disclose knowledge that would be otherwise hidden. Hidden knowledge, such as a person's information that others would not normally know. So sometimes people can do recon on you and get information, but sometimes people are trafficking in demonic spirits and can know things about you, okay? In this case, the woman was without any foreknowledge of Paul but she called out Paul and Silas's mission, saying, these men are the soldiers of the Most High God. They announce to you the way of salvation. This woman under demonic influence knew who Paul and Silas were and who they were serving when, and why they came to Philippi, okay? What she was doing back then is what false prophets do today. She called out Paul and Silas's mission while today's false prophets call out your address, your phone number, or other information about you. Like false prophets that called out the man's address 5252, remember in that other, uh, our earlier episode in this series, remember I showed you, I actually showed you the clip. The guy said, I called it out. What does 5252 mean? This is because all of a sudden he's seen it in the spirit. Either that or he had recon on the guy, but I think this guy was actually trafficking and divination. Okay. And so when he called out 5252, calling calling that a sign from the Lord. If we were to bring this same slave girl into the 21st century, clean her up, send her to the, a school of prophets, or even one of these seminaries, put a Bible in her hand, and give her a pulpit to preach from, she would pack churches all over the country. She would be able to, people would come up to her, she'd be able to call them out, she'd be able to say this, she would be able to say that, quote a few scriptures, and it's not the Holy Spirit. Her power would be amazing. Her words would be accurate. Her sermons preached from the text of the Bible, done in Jesus' name, with one crucial distinction, she would be operating in demonic divination, not the Holy Spirit. Now you have to understand, it is interesting that Paul did not call this girl out right away. The scripture passage says she followed them for many days. And he said him being warned, he's got tired of it. And he, he, maybe at first he didn't discern this was a demon. Because if, if she followed him many days, at a certain point, many days means many days. That's two, that could be two or three weeks. That could be for however long they was there. It could be several days. Paul just got tired of it. Then Paul, being certainly annoyed and worn out, turned and said to the spirit within her, I charge you in the name of Jesus, come out of her. Clearly, this girl was harassing Paul and it got on his nerves. However, the point here is that the girl practiced advanced stages of divination to the point where she was now possessed by a demon that gave her this information about these two missionaries. Demons can transfer information from the supernatural to the natural realm, but they need a vessel or a medium to channel that information. A medium is a person that is sensitive to the subtle realities of the cosmos and therefore is particularly capable of communicating with spiritual entities. 
mediums are very receptive to the higher, listen to this, the higher vibrations of the spirit world. This vibration phenomenon was covered in the film and the book titled The Secret. See, now we're getting into this new age philosophy about the universe and all that stuff and the vibrations from the universe and all of this stuff. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, all this stuff is cultic. All this stuff is demonic. It's all demonic, but it's packaged. Oprah had the guy that wrote the secret and all she did the programs on it. She promoted this book, The Secret. And in the secret, it had the law of attraction, but the law of attraction was based on the vibrations. Ladies and gentlemen, this is all demonic. See, these teachings move you away from the gospel. It moves you away from worshiping Christ. But what it does is put it realigns you to another set of wicked truth, of wicked doctrines. Okay, a true prophet is a mouthpiece for God's prophetic revelation. But so are mediums a mouthpiece for spirits that speak through them. This is particularly concerning when we see the scriptures uh, inform us, but the spirit speaketh explicitly that in the latter time some will fall away from the faith paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience with branding with a branding iron. Glory to God. Listen to what it says again. The spirit speaks explicitly. The spirit explicitly says that in the latter times some will fall from the faith paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. And this is what happens, ladies and gentlemen. You get a false prophet, come talking all this stuff. The next thing you know, you following him, not the Bible, and you're on your way, you, you on the wrong world, you off to the races. That's how this happens. But it will start in the church. It'll start with some prophet coming and starting to do uh, and uttering stuff. Next thing you know, now you're following them. Now you're doing like the, the, the email prophet I did in my last thing. You're sending them emails and he's giving you personal prophecy and they're hitting you up for money. That's how, that's how it happens. Glory to God. A particular interest to, to this aspect of our study is what Timothy calls deceitful, seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. In order for a false prophet to receive doctrines, a doctrine from a demon, they must be in connection with these spirit entities, thus fulfilling the role of a medium through whom which the demon needs to channel its messages. Here is what the scriptures have to say about mediums. Listen, do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists, for you will be defiled by them. I, the Lord your God, I am the Lord your God. That's Leviticus 19.31. He's saying you will be defiled. It's not, 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 not you might be defiled. He says you will be defiled. He said you have to stay away from these people. They're way over your head using these demonic powers. They'll pull you in. Glory to God. You'll get sucked into the vortex. You'll be pulled in. You won't be able to resist it. you just get pulled in. Glory to God. 
That's 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 like at here in, uh, in Chicago at Lake Michigan. They sometimes they say, well, there's a uh, there's a, uh, a a, a riptide warning. On the surface, the water looks normal, but five feet under there could be a very powerful current flowing that you can't see. But if you get in the water, it'll suck you under and you won't be able to escape it. But many people drown like that through these riptides. Glory to God, that's what it's like. You'll get pulled in by these people. False prophets that we see today who call out people's phone numbers and addresses, social security numbers, or no, no other hidden things about individuals that they have never met can only do this by one of three ways. They have done advanced re, uh, uh, recon on people, number one. False prophets have learned sensory perception or techniques from various forms of divination. Okay. All right. The third, the false prophet is under the influence or possessed by a demonic spirit and therefore possesses various levels of enablement, including perception, sensitivities, and even miracle working faculties. That's where this power comes from. See, by the time you get to advanced levels, you so full, you so pulled into it, and the demons are going to lie to you and say it's the Holy Spirit. Now, they're not, they're not going to tell you, hey, my name is demon such and so, and I'm really a demon, and I'm really taking you to hell. Of course, they're not going to do that. They're deceiving spirits. They're always going to make you think you're talking to Jesus. They're going to make you think you're, you're hearing from the Holy Spirit. They're going to say it's God the Father talking to you right now. This is God the Father, and then there you go. But you're really trafficking in the spirit, the demonic spirit. Since these demons are seducing spirits, they have deceived false prophets into believing that they are under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Again, the whole premise behind counterfeit charisma, which in short is counterfeit gifts with, with, uh, with the kingdom of darkness, with behind them, with the kingdom of darkness behind them. The modus operandi of Satan has always been to steal, kill, and destroy. Therefore, Satan transforms himself into an angel of light to deceive people into believing that they are in the presence of God when in fact it is Lucifer or the wicked principalities and powers. These prophets believe that their gifts and powers are legitimate when in reality they're counterfeit. This is why John states, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they come from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Notice the term spirits is interchangeable with false prophets. So let's look at that again. He says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. At first he says spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because why? Many false prophets have gone out into the world. So false prophets in the more advanced stages are really under the influence of spirits. And that's where they get their divination enablements to do what they do, even to the level of performing miracles. That's where this power comes from. Glory to God. However, all false prophets do not flow in the supernatural. Some are, are, some are, are ordained ministers that teach in seminaries, and they, def, they defy foundational tenets of Christian doctrine as the bodily incarnation, incarnation of the Lord, 
which was a common Gnostic heresy. So not, 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 not all the time is a false prophet doing signs and wonders. Some false prophets are just teachers that just teach erroneous uh, uh, things that militate against the truth of the gospel narrative, such as the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ or the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. You know, the, these types of things, you know. Now, let's deal with the lying spirits. You also have lying spirits, okay? First Kings chapter 22, verse 17. And he said, I saw all Israel scattered upon the hills at the sheep that have not a shepherd. And the Lord said, and the Lord said, these have no master. Let every man return to his own peace, to his own house in peace. Now, this is the story of King Ahab. And this is very interesting. King Ahab was the king of Israel. It's probably best known for, as a spineless ruler whose wicked right Jezebel controlled him. <laughs> During these times, the kings consulted with their prophets before making important decisions or particularly before, before going to war. Ahab reluctantly called for Micaiah, a true prophet of the Lord, to see what the Lord had to say about the outcome of an attack on Syria. The prophet then related to Ahab a vision that the Lord had given him. Then Micaiah answered, I saw Israel scattered on the hills like a sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, these people have no master. Let each one go home in peace. This indicated that Ahab would be killed and his armies dispersed. After this, the fearless prophet spoke again. But this time he told the king of another prophetic vision that he had. The prophetic vision of how Ahab was going to be persuaded to fight in a losing battle against the Syrians. To examine this very interesting account, we must refer to 1 Kings chapter, 20, uh, chapter 22, verses 22-23. I'll read it for you. It says, Then Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all of the hosts of heaven standing by, on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will persuade Abraham to go up that he may fall in Ramon Gilead, Ramoth Gilead? So one spoke in this manner, another spoke in another manner. Then a spirit came forth before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. I will persuade him. The Lord said to him, In what way? So he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets. And the Lord said, you shall persuade him and also prevail. Go and do so. Therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of these prophets and yours. And the Lord has declared disaster against you. God brought judgment on them by allowing a lying spirit to go down there and be liars to his prophets. These are supernatural things, ladies and gentlemen. They're far above humans. But the bottom line is this was what happened. Ahab got duped into going into war because he listened to prophets that were possessed by a lying spirit. Now, I don't have all the answers to that. But I can tell you one thing. He ended up dying, taking a prophetic word from, a, from prophets who were not prophets of God that had a lying spirit. Here the scriptures gives us an account of a lying spirit at work. This spirit had the power to influence the thoughts, motivations, and the words of Ahab prophets. It was by the deceptive words of these false prophets that Ahab was convinced to fight against Syria. Having his pride swollen by their lying predictions, Ahab was lured into battle that would cost him his life. 
though he despised Micah's prophecy, the true prophet of God, he still took precaution to protect himself by not wearing his royal clothes in the battle, but instead wore a disguise. But by God's providence, a random arrow, which was probably not so random, struck Ahab in the crease of his armor and killed him anyway. <laughs> you think you're going to get away from God? I mean, it's kind of like crazy, right? Before leaving the battle, Ahab had ordered that Micaiah, Micaiah be locked up until Ahab returned. Undoubtedly, Ahab would have been killed by Micaiah had he, Ahab would have killed Micaiah had he returned. However, listen to the bold statement that Micaiah made as he was carted off the jail. But Micaiah said, if you ever return in peace, the Lord has not spoken to me. And he said, take heed, all you people. So in other words, Micaiah would say, you can take this to the bank. The Lord spoke to me. If this man come back, you know God hasn't talked to me. And I want you all, all of y'all be a witness. I said it. Now take me on the lockup. I don't care about you locking me up. Glory to God. Say, if Ahab bring his tail back here, you know I haven't heard from God. So Ahab changed clothes and everything. Listening to them lying prophets. Now, let's get into another part. The metaphysical is the gateway to the demonic. The metaphysical is the gateway to the demonic. Not long ago, a ministerial associate, who I'll just refer to as Walter, uh, he was the son of a very prominent Pentecostal pastor uh, in a very large and prominent church in Chicago. Okay. He was behind the scenes and saw a lot of this stuff. So he was the one that provided me this information. I'm keeping him anonymous. I'm using the name Walter. Not long ago, a minister associate of whom I call Walter and I had a conversation about certain a certain prophet that ran a school of prophets who incorporated some of the metaphysical arts into the curriculum to enhance his students' prophetic abilities. One of the definitions of metaphysical means beyond the physical or material, incorporeal, supernatural, and transcendental. Walter said that this prophet stated he looked for students that had innate sensibilities to the metaphysical. During the training at this school of prophets, which was somewhere in the South, I think Louisiana, he said, he would teach his students how to tune into certain musical notes, vibrations. Now, remember, we were talking about the, 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 the book, The Secret. And in the secret, it talks about the law of attraction. The law of attraction is based on the, vib the vibrations that are in the universe that you could tap into. Okay? So now, uh, so let me say this again. So during the training at this school of prophets, he would teach his students how to tune into certain musical notes, vibrations through meditation. During these exercises, the student sensitivities would be heightened to be able to tune into the metaphysical, which enabled them to pull messages and information out of the air. It was I was completely blown away when he started sharing this with me. And the guy was telling him this is what he does in his school because the church that 
his father had, which was a big church now, well-known guy, had have a lot of these prophets come to their church. So this is this is this is how he knew about it. So he told me about it. Okay. So similarly, on the other on the other on another website, a prophet who also has a school of prophets was teaching the 25 signs that you have been called to be a prophet. One of the signs was that prophets flow, meaning that the prophet needs music or noise to flow. Listen to this. The ability to flow behind music. Very important. He went on to say, if you want, if you want to hear music, you want to hear messages. Then he lied and said, every prophet of the Old Testament, you always hear them say, I want to prophesy, bring me the musicians and come here so that they can play for me. Of course, he didn't give any scriptural references for this because the Bible doesn't talk about that. Of course he didn't. It is nowhere in the Bible does a prophet call for singers to come or musicians to play so the prophet could give a prophecy. Now, of course, music does play an important role in worship. You know, Colossians 3.16 and the music sounds of war, Joshua 6.20, uh, 2 Chronicles 20.21, 20, where the priest was uh, sent out uh, uh, to uh, 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 go before the army and the Lord set ambushments upon them. So the, the music was involved there. But we're talking about, uh, uh, but nowhere in the Bible is there anything about a prophet requiring music in order to prophesy. This, see, this is these strange doctrines these people just come up with. Now, this, is, this, this, this information came from one of these false prophets. You see, him on, you see him on YouTube. He's got millions of listeners and followers, uh, people that have viewed his videos and teaching you the ways you can understand you're a prophet and all of that. And one of the things he was teaching, you had to learn how to flow in music. Well, the reason why I brought that up is because when my friend Walter was telling me about this prophetic school, he was telling me about how they learn to meditate behind tones and music. But this is similar to the same ideology that you find from New Age philosophy in which the secret and the, the vibrations of the universe and the universe blessing you and all that. See, that's where all that garbage comes from. You, you, you begin to hear Christians start talking about uh, uh, the universe. But listen, this is New Age philosophy that is found its way into the church through people who are ignorant of the devices and the cunningness of Satan. That's how all this stuff gets to people. Because they don't, they don't know any better. Walter's description, getting back to my friend's source, description of what was being taught at this particular school of prophets pertaining to the tuning in to notes to heighten the prophet's sensitivity, sensitivity is similar but not identical to the practices found in mystical religions and New Age practice where chants like the Om is done. Now the om is that is that is that that sound that the monks make. It's go go like mm, when they do that. It's like a humming monotone note that they put out. Okay, the reason why they but see it's a reason why they do it. Listen to this. Here's what is said about the om. The om is the sacred sound of the divine. It is a mysterious expression of infinity, timeless, eat e eternity, and wisdom. Om, the vibrations of the Om, is our true nature. 
our higher self, the core of our inner being. And as we are all vibrations on a micro level, listen to this. So when we chant or ohm again and again, we create its pure vibrations in our body and we become in tune with the vibrations of the ohm and we become one with the ohm. And the ohm chanting connects us to all that is living from beings, from beings to nature to the universe. Now listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. This is this is this is actual stuff from these these uh, uh, own websites. As a matter of fact, I had the reference there, fifty two. I'm gonna have to look it up so I can give you actually the reference where I got this from. But this is what the own does. This is why they this is why they do that hmm. because they're using they're trying to connect with the universe through the bright vibrations that are in themselves. And by doing it, what it does is it opens a gateway somehow to demonic influence. And so a lot of these false prophets, what they do is they go to school and they learn how to tune into this stuff. And so this is why a lot of times when you hear them prophesying, they play this monotone, not not not, not distractive music, but they need a, a, a tone because it helps them tune in. Ladies and gentlemen, this stuff is deep. I'm telling you, this stuff is deep. In many of these mystical practices and religion, the universe is given divine faculties. You will hear people say the universe will bless you. What the OM does is it connects you with the universe through the OM vibration. This is where the long notes come in. Notice that in a lot of these prophetic meetings, there's always soft music playing in the background. Not just any music. Not just any music. Not no Milton Brunson or Kirk Franklin or somebody like that. It's not that. It's these long, soft, but prolonged notes where the prophet often sings. These are not melodic sounds, but rather meditative sounds. Now, admittedly, the point that I'm making here is not conclusive. And I'll say that. However, once you strip away the Buddhist or the New Age terminology and just focus on the technique itself, you will find striking similarities. That's the point I'm making. Walter went on to say that he actually saw the prophet use this technique during a church service. But he noticed that after the prophet called out some numbers, maybe someone's address or phone numbers, there was nothing that followed behind it. Nothing specific or nothing profoundly prophetic. But after the numbers were out, there were no more prophetic details. Though the people were amazed with the numbers trick, Walter knew that this was not legitimate prophecy. It wasn't legitimate. Walter went on to tell of another minister that knew who also went to that he knew who also went to the school. He too claimed that he learned how to meditate on musical notes and colors to be able to tune in to the elemental vibrations which allow him to tap into deeper realms of knowledge that are in the divination nature. According to Walter, these prophets were not learning from the Bible or being taught Christian doctrine, but were being trained in the metaphysical. Once this preacher mastered this technique, he often used it when he preached, and it was very effective on people. 
but something must have happened because he started getting convicted once he realized that what he was doing was not inspired by the Holy Spirit, but he was practicing divination to raise offerings. He then said other preachers were blowing up his phone for him to come and minister at their churches because of his abilities. Divination was passed off as prophecy brings the big bucks. Remember what the scripture said. Her priests instruct for a price and her prophets divine for money. Finally, Walter went on and said that a lot of these people that attend these particular schools of prophet, prophets have the wrong motives because they want to learn how to amaze people with divination while they pass it off as a movement of the Holy Spirit. When you tap into the metaphysical, you are able to hear from those familiar spirits. So you can hear from them. Call out names and numbers. These two are the same spirit and spiritists and soothsayers that tap into and enable them to transfer information about others to the prophet. I mean, this is really, really deep. In a newsletter title, Altered States, the following is stated. Sound is also a vibration, and so are thoughts. Everything that manifests itself in your life is there because it matches the vibration from your thoughts. From this occultic information, also taught heavenly in the book and the movie The Secret, you will see what Walter was describing at this particular school of prophets and what the cultists in this newsletter is saying are very similar. However, there is one distinction that must be pointed out, and that is the proponents of this philosophy think they are tuning in to the vibrations of the universe, but they are really tapping into the deceptive power of demons. Evil spirits want to deceive people into thinking they are worshiping anything other than a demon. They don't care if you think you are receiving a message from God when it's really there. They don't care anything about that, ladies and gentlemen. They don't care about that. They want you to think they're God because they know that who you, because once you start worshiping through them, you're really worshiping them. They know that. Glory to God. Now, let's look at Janice and Jambres. Okay. No study concerning deceptive powers of hell would be complete without interjecting two names, Janice and Jambres, into the discussion. These individuals appear in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Though they remain somewhat of an enigma, they are an integral part of this aspect of our study. Our text reads, These teachers oppose the truth just like Janice and Jambres oppose Moses. They have depraved minds and counterfeit faith. But they won't get away with this for long. Someday everyone will recognize what fools they are, just as with Janice and Jambres. That's uh, uh, 2 Timothy 3, 8 and 9, the New Living Translation. It is noteworthy to note that Paul associates false teachers with the counterfeit faith of Janice and Jambres. Though there is no mention of either of these two in the Pentateuch, the first uh, 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 five books of the Old Testament ascribed to Moses, clearly Paul identifies them as the ones who oppose Moses. 
The names come to us by Jewish, Christian, and pagan literature as two of Pharaoh's musicians that tried to demonstrate that they could perform miracles just as effectively as Moses. Examining the actions of these two will help us understand the extent of the powers behind these miracle-working false prophets. In Exodus 7, we find the contest between the real prophet and the false prophets that reveals some astonishing facts. Listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did as the Lord commanded. Aaron threw down his staff in front of Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a snake. Pharaoh then summoned his wise men and sorcerers of the, and the Egyptian musicians also did the same things with their secret arts. Each one threw down their staff, and it became a snake. Now listen, stop right there, ladies and gentlemen. All right. I want you to listen to this. Moses had miracle working power from God. Take your staff, throw it down on the ground, it would become a living reptile. Okay? It will become a snake. All right. That's, that's a miracle, straight up. But that was from God. But guess what? Pharaoh's magicians did the same thing. Now, the question is, Moses was using God's power. Who were the magicians using? Obviously, it's satanic, demonic power, ladies and gentlemen, but it's power yet in the same. They are both miraculous. Both of them are miracles because it's supernatural that impacts the, 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 the physical realm. Now, you can argue with the lion one up when you spit. Listen, if you got the power to make a pool stick become a snake, then I don't care where it's coming from. That's a miracle. And that may, may, it may not be a miracle from God, you know, but it's miraculous in the sense that a piece of wood became a, a living snake. That's what I'm talking about, ladies and gentlemen. There is a dark power. There is another power source. But this other power source seeks to mimic the Holy Spirit and mimic and match what God can do. So this is what you see in this context. Glory to God. Don't tell me these powers are not real. They are. Glory to God. And this is why Jesus said these false prophets would be able to do signs and wonders so uh, convincing that it would fool even the very elect if it were possible. And he puts the if it were possible in there because God keeps his people from being totally deceived. But the bottom line is if it were possible, they would be deceived. That's how the signs and wonders are coming. That's what the false prophet is going to do under the Antichrist. He is going to be able to do miracles, people. And so when you caught up on this supernatural manifestations of prophecy and miraculous and all of that stuff that people are spouting about, you are setting yourself up. You are positioning yourself to be ultimately to be deceived. That's, what you, that's what's happening. And that's what's happening in a lot of these churches because this is the type of congregations they go. You have to create the environment for a false prophet. If you're teaching false, if you're teaching false doctrine, you're letting anything walk up in your church, they can, a, a, a false prophet can thrive there like a cockroach in a house that's filthy. Glory to God. They multiply. This test is fascinating because it reveals Miracles performed by the emissaries of two different spiritual kingdoms. Spiritual light in the kingdom of darkness. An inanimate piece of wood becoming a living reptile reveals power sword far beyond human capability. Period. 
Let's move right along. Now, these secret arts were the subject of interest in the book of Acts, where the believers at Ephesus turned over their curious arts books and materials and burnt them after the news of a demon-possessed man beating Sceva and his sons for trying to cast out a demon in the name of Jesus as Paul preached spread throughout the region. The demon's response was somewhat humorous and, and this entity said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you and did he beat their butt? This text states that many of the believers in Ephesus used curious arts. See, let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. People were coming to church in Ephesus because Ephesus was steeped in the occult. So when they were getting saved, they say people don't always throw away stuff because they don't know they, they should get rid of it. So these people were at the church at Ephesus, but they still had the books of the curious arts that they practiced beforehand still with them. Paul said, look, y'all bring that stuff here. Let's burn it. Okay. So you could be a Christian. And still bringing in these arts. Still practicing stuff. So what I mean by you could be a Christian, you could be a member of a church. And that's how things get introduced into church amongst the congregation. Because this one's still doing certain stuff. And then that spreads in the congregations. This is why you have to teach false, uh, you have to teach against false doctrine. You have to teach against these things. You have to teach against these things because you don't know what the uh, 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 people are exchanging between themselves in the pews. You on the pulpit preaching. You can't see everything. You don't know everything. Glory to God. So that account is found in Acts 19, 13 through 20. It is interesting that besides duplicating the rod into sex miracle, to, to be honest with you, Janice and Jambres uh, uh, also duplicated the first two of the ten plagues against the Egyptians, the turning the water into blood and the plague of frogs. They did both of them. Okay? <laughs> but they couldn't go much further than that. <laughs> they said because this, they said once they got to the lice, and the gnats, this is what they said. They said, this is the finger of God. They said, uh, right, so this was interesting. From this passage, we see that the musicians were in over their heads trying to duplicate these plagues. Let me tell you something. You can't, you can't mess with God, all right? So all of this is important to our study because... Even if a contemporary false prophet possesses, possesses miracle working facilities, their power, though amazing and even quite convincing, will still be limited because the source of their enablement is not God. See, that's why the, the uh, Pharaoh's magicians were only able to go so far now. They was able to do a few tricks, but they couldn't, they couldn't go so far. But so far, therefore, like Jameson Jambers, they will only be able to go so far. This is why Jesus's miracles was such a powerful testimony to who he was. The miracles that he performed were way beyond what anybody had ever had ever done or could do. For example, Jesus healing the man born blind. <laughs> what you going to do with that? He was born that way. All right. Here's what is here's what was said. 
Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. <laughs> see, see, they knew that one. This ain't, this, ain't, this, ain't, this ain't like a Ray Charles blind. You know, Ray Charles could see when he was a little boy. He just went blind and got an eye disease. This boy was born blind. Okay? But God, there are no limits. The power source of the false prophets tap into, which they think is God, is not. This power source is limited. Without a doubt, a false prophet will defend his practice to the end because they are blinded by greedy ambition and Satan's subterfuge. It is, it's true. Some of these false prophets have power. There's no question about that. However, while the power they do, that they do have, does it come from the Holy Spirit? Nope. It's not the Holy Spirit. Some of them know in the depths of their heart that they are false, while others are deceived and will live out their lives under a great deception only to come to the Lord on Judgment Day and go, oh, my level, oh, my God, I ain't really saved. Did not do miracles in your name. Did not cast out devils in your name. Did not, did not uh, 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 do many, many wonderful works. Cast out demons, prophesy. Don't mean nothing. Just because you got a gift, just because you got a talent, don't mean you're saved. Those are not authentication and authenticating factors. That's why we need to quit telling people if you speak in tongues, you got the Holy Spirit. That's a lie. Don't tell people that because you got people that can imitate a tongue and run around thinking they got the Holy Spirit based on a gift. No, you need a converted life. You need to be born again, period. Now, we want to get into another area. We're going to begin to wrap up because I know this is, I've given you a lot. The forensic pinpoint level of prophecy, forensic Pinpoint level of prophecy. Certain schools of prophets teach what is called the forensic pinpoint level of prophecy, which enables prophets to pull names and telephone numbers out of the air. Or as others say, hear this information in the spirit or see it with your spiritual eye. Though fascinating, it's not of God. It is interesting that uh, a seemingly technical name has been given to a deceptive practice. Previously, we stated there are only three ways to know someone's personal information. You know, either you 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 recon it, you know, or you're in communicating uh, with the church and then you, you in cahoots with them and you know stuff, or you're getting you're in communication with uh, demonic spirits. The last is the most serious because it's direct pipeline pipeline to the kingdom of darkness. The last is the category where we find for the forensic pinpoint level of prophecy. Forensic pinpoint level of prophecy amazes people all over the world because it, it, a complete stranger is able to tell you information about themselves that they couldn't possibly know, but they do it under the guise of legitimate prophecy. And this obscure divination practice is claimed that God imparts people's names, telephone numbers, addresses, and other tidbits about their personal information to prophets that have learned how to use this technique to gain access to this information. Make no mistake about it. It is supernatural, but it's not of God. It's important to understand that the practice of pulling this information out of the air, seeing inside someone's house, Knowing where someone works or calling children's names and birthdays has nothing is nothing more than what psychics and mediums have done since the beginning of time. Obtaining this information through spirits is an old phenomenon and was the very reason why God drove the nations out before Israel. That's why he told them, do not practice this stuff. 
Once I heard a testimony of a woman say a prophet told her what her house looked like, the color of her door, what it looked like on the inside, and so on. Each time she recounted what the prophet said, she told her, she exclaimed, this had to be God. Why? Because the prophet was accurate. However, this is the same thing that people said of Simon Magnus in, in uh, the book of Acts. This is the great power of God. In the realm of psychic ability, seeing distant places where the psychic or the false prophet has never been known, never been, is known as remote viewing. Remote viewing. In other words, you're here in Chicago, but you can see something that's in Louisiana. Okay? Clairvoyants have been uh, doing this for years. They can see distant places and relate accurate details with, without actually going there. Surprisingly, governmental entities like the military and the CIA have trained individuals in this technique. Although it has been found to be unreliable, law enforcement agencies to this day still consult with psychics in order to solve murders. You can go to a number of psychic websites and see remote viewing ability offered as a psychic service. Psychic websites typically market their services by also promoting how accurate the psychics are. This is exactly what false prophets do, tell you how accurate they are. The false prophet to whom I was speaking of uh, teaches others how to receive the ability to operate in the forensic pinpoint level of prophecy. He stated that in order to receive this prophetic gift, you must be under and connect with someone who currently operates in that gift. Then he clarified what he mean connect, which was sowing a seed or giving money. Only then could the prophetic ability in turn be imparted or transferred from the one who gives the money to the false prophet. Once again, this is all about money, and notice who you get to get from, another human who is, who, is, who is possessed by some type of faculties. Not go to God and ask God for it. You don't know. You don't want to ask God for this because God ain't going to respond to you because God wouldn't give you this. The fact that one must go to a specific individual or certain school to receive this ability is a dead giveaway that this is divination, not divine. However, this is what the scriptures say about the distribution of spiritual gifts. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all the gifts. He alone decides each gift each person should have. 1 Corinthians 12, 11, New Living Translation. Now, after this false prophet started teaching on developing your third, then he started teaching on developing your third eye so that you could see in the spiritual realm. Because see, in order to do remote viewing, remote viewing, you got to have a spiritual eye. You got to be able to see, right? Again, psychics also refer to this ability as a third eye too. They use the same divination techniques. The real difference between the psychic and the false prophet is the false prophet claims to be a Christian who uses the Bible to justify their practices. They typically mix mysticism and divination with tenets of Christian doctrine to create false doctrines found in many churches today. See, that's where a lot of this stuff comes from. They mix. You got you got teachers coming in that have mixed all this stuff, give it to a congregation. They run with it, think it's deep, talking about the universe is about to bless them. It's real stupid, ladies and gentlemen. He refers to Genesis where he says, he gets to talking about Eve had a spiritual eye. It's real stupid. I don't need to read this. If you have my book, you can read this. I don't want to waste much time on that aspect. Now, this same guy, and, and millions of people go to his website now, 
And, uh, and another one of his teachings, the false prophet went on to speak how the prophet Daniel of the Old Testament appeared to him in a dream and began to teach him about the third eye. <laughs> now, you and I who are, who are right-minded thinking Christians would automatically know if you said to somebody who has half a brain in Christianity that the prophet Daniel appeared to you in a dream, you would know to get away from that person because you know Daniel ain't appeared to nobody. <laughs> okay, but this prophet claims it was Daniel. Okay, all right. The same prophet also claims to have gone back into time to the 1800s when he started prophesying to a woman about her ancestors from Russia. Now, what a lot of these prophets do, ladies and gentlemen, they have consulted with mediums and, 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 and actually practiced the divination practice of necromancy, which is consulting the dead. Now, they're not really consulting the dead, they're consulting demons who may have actually have information about people that lived a long time ago. See, the information can be factual, but it's the source that it's coming from. God is never going to tell you to take you back, send you some prophet to tell you about somebody that's dead and had him appear to you and tell you something. See, this is... These things should be red flags all day, but see, once you get caught in the vortex, ah, now I'm a prophet, and then you get into the deeper aspect, it's kind of like being a, uh, a a mason or one of these people that's in Illuminati. See, once you get in, once you get further and further and further in, you find out what the real deal is, what the real deal, what's behind all this stuff. That's what happens in these levels of prophecies. These guys actually start practicing divination under the guise of Christianity. The false prophet was able to give names and dates about family members which had been dead for over 100 years. The woman and the congregation were totally amazed. Now this guy, I'm watching this happen on in a, in a service on, in, in, it was on, on YouTube. And the guy was actually prophesying to people to blown away. In regards to that woman's family, neither he, neither he, either he was able to obtain historical information about this woman's relatives or he was consulting with a familiar spirit. Always practicing not uh, practicing necromancy, divination where mediums consult with the dead, calling what amounts to a necromancy, necromancy pinpoint prophecy. Attempts to give a legitimacy to a clearly forbidden practice. Now, we're going to end with the Witch of Endor. I think this is the end of the chapter. Leviticus 20, verse 6. And the person who turns to mediums and unfamiliar spirits to prostitute himself with them, listen to that term, to prostitute himself with them, because that's what you're doing. You're trying to have another lover. You're going to another God. You're going to another source. So now you're, now you're a whore, spiritual whore. That's how God sees it. I will set my face against that person and cut him off from my people. He said, you turn to a medium or a familiar spirit, one who goes to speak, he said, I'll cut you off. Don't play with God in this. In 1 Samuel chapter 28, we fare a very strange account of the witch of Endor, or more prominent, or properly, the medium of Endor. This is a person that King Saul consulted 
to bring up the prophet Samuel from the dead in order to inquire about the outcome of a battle with the Philistines. Saul complained that since the Lord would not answer him through the through prophet of dreams, he had no choice but to seek the assistance of Anachronism. Now, this is important. I want you to look at this. God stopped talking to Saul. And he stopped answering Saul through his prophet. So now the only other way to get information about the future is to go to the other side. Is to go to a medium. So that's why Paul, that's why Saul did it. He knew God wouldn't talk to him. So he said, fine, find me a witch. We, 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 I need to get to Samuel. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I know this is controversial. I know this is deep. I don't have all the answers. I'm just reading to you what the Bible says. Okay, so Saul complained that the Lord would not answer him through a prophet of dreams. He had no, so he said he had no choice but to seek assistance of a necromancer, one who consults with the dead. This is what the Bible says. Saul then said to his attendants, find me a woman who is a medium, so I might go to her and inquire of her. And there is, it, there is one in Endor, they said. Then the woman, at, then he, then the, then the woman asked, whom shall I bring up for you? Bring up Samuel, he said. The woman saw Samuel. She cried at the top of her voice and said, Saul, why have you de deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, don't be afraid. See, because Saul had put an edict out, he was going to kill all the witches. Now Saul himself was forced to go to a witch. The witch said, wait a minute, you Saul. You, why are you calling up Samuel? Wait a minute, you Saul. So he said, don't worry about it. I'm not going, I'm not going to harm you. So now, so the king said to her, don't be afraid. What do you see? The woman said, I see a ghostly figure coming out of the earth. He said, what does he look like? She asked. It's an old man wearing a robe who is coming up. He said, Saul knew it was Samuel, and he bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground, and Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me to bring me up? I am in great distress, Saul said. The Philistines are fighting against me, and God has departed from me, and he longer, longer answers me, either by prophets nor by dream. So I called on you to tell me what to do. Now, though this account has been the subject of great debate, ladies and gentlemen, followed by various interpretation, the fact remains that a medium that consults with familiar spirits was able to call up Saul's spirit from the dead. Don't ask me how. I don't know. I'm just reading to, to you what the text says. All right. Though this defies human reasoning, these powers, though wicked, are real and thus invoke judgment from the Lord of those that consult with anyone that uses this form of divination. That's why God said, I will get you, I will kill you, I will cut you off if you do this. Because there's powers that are in the supernatural realms that humans don't know anything about. And they end up getting played by these demonic Wicked spirits because we think we know how to control them. We think we know how to commune with them. These are wicked spirits who will ultimately destroy you. You can't be friends with no demon. As I covered earlier, the false prophet 
that has the school of prophets training other prophets how to use pinpoint uh, uh, forensic prophecy states in one of his training sessions that he consults with Daniel the prophet. Brothers and sisters, we are all quite aware Daniel has been dead for thousands of years now. An attempt to... Uh, an attempt to sound deep and give himself authority, this deceiver confesses from his own mouth that he consults with a dead prophet. God calls these damnable practices, heretical doctrines, philosophies, and abominations, yet they are being practiced in church, in the church as the Holy as Holy Spirit inspired prophecy. The fact that this prophet openly flaunts that he communicates with dead folks indicate he is banking on one of two things. People will be impressed with his range of supernatural ability or that people are ignorant to the prohibitions against such practices explicitly delineated in the scriptures. Since Saul consulted with a witch or medium, he was judged. This is what happened. The battle became fierce against Saul. The archers hit him, and he was wounded by the archers. Saul then said to his armor bearer, Draw your sword and thrust me through, lest these uncircumcised men come and abuse me. But the armor bearer would not, for he was greatly afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell on it. So Saul died. Listen to this now. I want you to get this. So Saul died for his unfaithfulness, for which he had committed against the Lord, because he did not keep the word of the Lord when he was supposed to kill Agag and all them and, 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 and kill all those people. He didn't do it. He spared the best of them, spared the best sheep, spared Agag and all of that. So the Lord judged him for that, took his kingdom from him for that. And, but listen, but listen to why he also killed him. And because he consulted a medium for guidance. God killed him for that. But he did not inquire the Lord. Therefore, he killed him and turned him the kingdom over to David. Now, the Bible says the Lord killed him. But what actually happened? Therefore, Saul took a sword and fell on it. Saul committed suicide. But suicide was the form of judgment that God put on Saul. So that just goes to show you, people that commit suicide, that could be judgment. Not just mentally and mentally ill. Sometimes it could be mentally ill, but in Saul's case, this was judgment. God said, I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you commit suicide. That's your judgment. God is the one who killed him, even though Saul fell on his sword. I think that's food for thought. Suicide can be a form of judgment. The tragic end of King Saul is that he died in defeat and disgrace. Not only did he have to, not only did he have to see have to see his three sons, including Jonathan, die, but his disgrace was punctuated by his own suicide. God took Saul's kingdom because he disobeyed his command, but he killed him for consulting the media, for guidance. There's an important point that we must all emphasize before we conclude this succession. Saul was cut out of the will of God so he could no longer hear from God. In a nutshell, that was Saul's problem. His disobedience cut him off. 
When people are out of the will of God, whether it's because of sin or disobedience or for whatever reason, seeking out a prophet to hear a prophetic word is a waste of time. If Satan is your problem, you can go to God from hell. But if God is your problem, a word from a false prophet is not going to help you. If God is your problem, then you got a problem. If Satan is your problem, demon is your problem, you got God, you got Jesus. But if God's your problem, you got a problem. And going to some false prophet because you're in disobedience to the Lord, you can't hear from the Lord, you running around everywhere, that's not going to help you. You're going to end up being destroyed by one of these deceivers. Then that'll be your form of judgment. So that concludes this study, ladies and gentlemen. Glory to God. Uh, uh, I, 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 this was a powerful, powerful lesson. And I hope uh, all of you are hung around for it. God bless you and keep you. Father, bless your people. Keep them, Lord God. Open their eyes so they may see what thus saith the Lord, according to your word, your wisdom, and your blessing, and your scripture. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you the next time.